The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Dr. Claudia McKella. Good morning, Doc. Hello, everyone. It's great to be back with you on this Sunday morning. Now, while this may be only week four of The Wellness Prescription, listeners have already connected and have questions for you all set. Awesome. I can't wait. Okay, here we go. The first one comes from Eva in Maple. She wants to know if there are side effects to chiropractic adjustments. Now, to be clear, this show is about overall wellness, but Dr. Claudia, you're a chiropractor. What should Eva know about those adjustments? I love this question because as you mentioned, this show is about overall wellness. And as a chiropractor, I believe that being well and healthy starts with the chiropractic adjustment. So in my practice, I and all of my staff spend a lot of time educating our patients about the adjustments and why it's so important and should be part of the pathway to optimal health. So now to answer the question, Eva, the answer is very simple. There are only positive side effects from an adjustment. Okay, so they include the release of endorphins and enkephalins, and those are the feel-good hormones. So after adjustment, you feel elated. You're on a natural high, if you will. So there's an increase in blood flow through muscles so that the old stagnant blood that was stuck in there gets pushed out and new fresh oxygenated blood gets pushed right back in there. Also, it increases joint mobility, so you have overall improved function to do the things you love, like dance and run and jog and stand in your kitchen and cook and all those wonderful things. Uh, And you have an overall better feeling about how you feel and your health. The last, probably the most important thing that I deal with every day is there is a significant reduction in pain. So when we give you an adjustment, we reduce the pressure on a nerve that is causing pain in whatever part of your body and you feel amazing after that. So the list goes on and on. I don't want anybody to be afraid of the chiropractic adjustment. I want you to feel free to come in and give it a try. Now I've got a couple of follow-up questions on Eva's behalf. How many adjustments would someone need? So that all depends on the situation. So if you're dealing with chronicity, so if you're dealing with something that's been long-term, a repetitive strain injury, you might need adjustments more regularly. So in my practice, all of us educate our patients on what we call maintenance care. So once we get you out of your initial acute situation, we then get you on a program where you're coming in once every couple of months, once every three, four months to get a tune up. So that's just keeping the spine in complete <laughs> like alignment. That. Yeah, the, the body tune up. Can I ask you then, why as parents, because I was one of those parents when my, my kids were younger and they were both athletes, I was reluctant to get them to see a chiropractor. And why did I have that reluctance? It wasn't until I could see the result and it took me a while to get there, but I, I regret waiting so long. Right. And I don't think I'm alone. Nope, you're absolutely not alone. There was, and probably still is, probably not as much now, but there was a lot of stigma around the idea of an adjustment. You're cracking a bone. Once you do it once, you need to do it forever. So those are all things that are absolutely untrue. When you give an adjustment, it's not cracking a bone. You're manipulating a joint. You're releasing a little bit of air that gets locked in between a joint. You're increasing that mobility. You're not going to need an adjustment every single day for the rest of your life. You will just need it as depending on how active you are and how active you want to be. That's great information. Our next question comes from Emily in Thornhill. She writes, I sometimes feel like I'm spending too much time focused on the things that really don't matter, and then I run out of energy to enjoy the important areas in my life. Dr. Claudia, can you help? 
Absolutely. So first of all, Emily, you're not alone. Many of us have the same problem, I included. We find ourselves fixating on issues, things, people that are not benefiting our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's not where I want to put my energy. So I think that everyone should focus on being centered, focus on how they want to live their life and how they want their life to play out every day. And you want to live your best, most truthful life. Okay, so whatever that truth means for you. So the solution for me is find your tribe. And when I say that, I mean, find your friends, family, anybody you can call to talk to in a time of need, but not to talk about your issue, to talk about something completely opposite. Like what are we doing for dinner? When are we getting together? Let's plan our next vacation. Something that's going to take the focus away from what you're fixating on. Um, The second thing I would suggest is to stop fixating on that thing and immediately change what you're doing. So if you find yourself sitting around and you're thinking about the same thing, get up, go outside, move around, take a deep breath, dance, sing, turn on the music. Okay. You said a couple things here that really struck me. Mm -hmm. One of them is you're not alone and stop fixating. Yep. Those are the two sort of main points, right? That's right. Because that's what we do. We fixate and we think we're alone. And the one message that I want to give everybody and I give everybody in my clinics is that you're not alone. You're not the only one with pain. You're not the only one with problems. We're all dealing with them. So why not help each other? It's also important to listen to music on a daily basis. And I'll tell you why I love this tip. And we're Mm going to do a show on that soon. Um, Music changes your whole vibration. Okay. So it doesn't matter what you like, what genre you prefer. I actually, those of you who know me know that I love Latin music because it just has that beat that just uplifts your spirit. So the moment you start thinking about something that is going to take you away from what is really important in your life, turn on the music. Have your playlist ready to go. Just sing and dance and take it all away. All right, we're going to get that song request in for you real soon. She likes Latin music, everybody. When we come back, treating children and teens for non-sports related issues. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. More with Dr. Claudia and The Wellness Prescription when we come back. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and this is The Wellness Prescription. I'm Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Dr. Claudia McKella. And Dr. Claudia, you wanted to focus next on children and teens and some of those non-sports-related issues that come up in your office. What can you tell us? Well, Tina, people often ask us why we treat so many children and young people at our clinics. And the answer is very simple. And although many of the treatments are uh, referred to us due to sports-related injuries, we are finding that there is a rise in pain and symptoms that are associated with excessive, Uh sometimes necessary use of electronic devices. So iPads, tablets, iPhones, MacBooks, all that, laptops. You could see this coming. They're on it constantly. At least mine are. Yeah, and mine too. And sometimes it's absolutely necessary if it's work or school rated, but sometimes I question if we're allowing them to spend too much time on those things. So we find that people are, we've we've actually coined them and I'm not sure if anybody else has, but in our office, we call it texting thumb or tablet neck and the video game wrist. So is this like a repetitive strain injury? Essentially, that's what we're dealing with. Repetitive strain from constantly sitting with horrible posture, using the same finger digit to do the work. Uh, I watch my son play on his devices and I'm like, wow, that pretty soon we're not going to need four other fingers. We're just going to need the thumb. (laughs) (laughs) So... And we laugh about it, but it really is becoming a bit of an epidemic. And we're seeing that a lot more in our clinics. 
So what is it presenting like in the clinic? So we get a lot of younger kids getting in with headaches, coming, showing, sorry, showing up with headaches. So headache pain, neck pain, tension behind the eyes. Well, that's all associated with the muscles that are around the neck, behind the neck, because they're constantly crouching down. They're constantly at a 45 degree angle with their neck muscles. Well, that for sure is going to cause strain on muscles, joints, and ligaments. Can you correct this issue? So everything can be corrected and, and fixed. Uh, we can get them back to proper functioning. So what we recommend is our whole gamut of teaching them to stretch, teaching them to take a break if they're sitting at their computer actually doing work, take a break, stretch, drink lots of water, uh, get your massages, and of course, get your chiropractic adjustment. And is there something we should be doing in the home environment before you get to the point where you're just having neck pain and headaches? So what I encourage my children to do, and I'm constantly on them about it, if you're going to use your device, whatever, whichever one it is, make sure you're sitting in a somewhat proper posture, comfortable position where you're not going to feel like when you try to stand up, your neck can't go straight or your back is kinked. You have to be aware of these things. Once again, take a break, get up, have a drink of water, do 10 stretches. It'll take you literally 30 seconds. That'll help you get back into that posture so you can get back to what you were doing. And so what kind of treatment would they receive at your clinic? So if they came to us, they would see one of us, uh, either the chiropractors or a physiotherapist, and we would decide what they needed. Generally, it starts off with some muscle work, stretching out the muscles, doing a few stretches in office. We always recommend registered massage therapy. And then I love the manipulation because I feel like that is what realigns the spine and keeps the muscle relaxed. And what about um, those headaches that they're getting from being on the screen for too long? There could be essentially from their neck. Sometimes it's coming from the strain of the muscles behind and around the eyes. Uh, So if you're staring at something for too long without taking a break, that's a lot of work for the muscles around the eye. So taking a break, closing your eyes, timing yourself for 30 to 60 seconds where you just lay back, have your eyes closed and don't do anything. Give your eyes a break. Now, isn't this also about changing behavior? And isn't that really hard work? How do you do that? Yeah, it is It is about changing behavior, but we need to encourage. So the, the wave of the future is we are all going to be on devices. Uh, so we need to be able to modify and control that. So sit-stand desks are very helpful. So if you're going to be working on your bed, find a place where you can sit at a desk for half the time, then switch to sitting in a chair and maybe switch to standing up at an island counter in a kitchen. You have to modify those things because we are not designed to be sitting and relaxing for that long. And so what last piece of advice then do you have for, you know, students, children, and their parents? So for the young kids, I tell them, be aware, understand what's going on in your body, and tell your parents when you have an ache or a pain or a headache that you think is not going to go away with just ignoring it or taking Tylenol. Uh, You cannot ignore these things. For parents, I say, monitor your child, give them the tools they need in order to avoid coming in to see me that often. And when it gets to the point, if it's already gotten to that point, don't be shy to come in and explain to us what you think is happening, because we will know that that is exactly what's happening. When we come back, keeping your kids safe online. This is The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. More with Dr. Claudia and The Wellness Prescription when we come back. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and this is The Wellness Prescription. I'm Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Dr. Claudia Machella. Our next guest is child and youth therapist, Tanya De Silva. Thank you for joining the show today, Tanya. Tell us a little bit about your work. 
Thanks. Uh, so we're actually a mental health clinic in the North York area, and we work with children and family and youth on mental health. We work with a lot of children who have ASD or ADHD and just a variety of other diagnoses, but that's typically what we see on a daily basis. And are you finding that, I mean, we all are aware that like mental illness, mental wellness is a, is a huge um, kind of an epidemic in our community. And what is generally the age group that you start to see children coming in with these issues? So for us, we work with kids as young as four. Um, it depends on what we're doing. So we do individual and family therapy, but we also do group programs. So for groups, we work with kids from four to 18. And then if it's individual, we work with anyone of any age. But I find that question comes up a lot. And I think we're seeing it younger, but I think it's yeah, because... Yeah, I was just going to say yeah, that. Four years old. You're right. They're really little. But I also feel like it's the added stress and the responsibility and the pressures that are now in our society. But I also think a couple years ago, even when I was 16, mental health wasn't really a thing. It was something that was like, oh, you're nervous? Well get over it, right? So right. I think now we're also becoming a lot more sensitive to mental health. So we are seeing it younger and younger. Mm-hmm. And I notice even in my own practice, mm-hmm. uh, I, I see a lot of young children who have anxiety. And yeah. I feel that anxiety then leads to other issues like depression and, you know, ADHD, because they're constantly not being able to focus on the things that really matter at mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah, or even behaviors. A lot of parents will bring in kids and they're like, oh, I'm seeing these behaviors. And then when we get down to it, we're like, well, they're acting out because because they're anxious, because they don't know how to cope. So I see that a lot. So what types of coping skills then do you provide them? So for us, we actually offer um, in-office, and actually, well, we do it in schools as well and in the community, but we do in-office programs where we teach them social skills and emotional regulation skills. So we find it's something that's not really taught to kids, and they talk about it, but they don't talk about how to actually do it. So we'll literally give them those step-by-steps, like how to like be aware of your emotions, how to join a group, how to introduce yourself, how to read body language. So those really basic things that we essentially just think people know, but sometimes you don't, right? Right. And and that's a really good point. And then you also have the issue where children are having problems at school with Mm -hmm. bullying and bullying can come in many forms and that might lead to some of the anxiety. So yeah, that's a very, Mm -hmm. very uh, interesting point. Um, And I wanted to ask you today, one of the reasons why we have you here today is to talk about the use of devices. So whether it's an iPad, a tablet, a computer, all that social media stuff, how do you feel um, that that is impacting children and all the issues that you're dealing dealing with at your clinic? That comes up almost in all of our sessions and all of our conversations with parents. I think it's definitely something that's growing. Like I'll look at toddlers and they know how to use an iPad or a phone better than some seniors. So I feel like clearly in the last like 50, 60 years, there's been a huge change. Um, So for us, I mean, screen time, it simplifies our life too. So I find even as adults, I noticed even on my drive here, I Googled how to get here. I used my navigation. Like I use my screen for almost everything. I order groceries, cabs. It's the same with kids, right? Like a lot of them now, even with schools, they're kind of moving to online portals where you're submitting stuff online. Um, Tutoring or other academic supports or other extracurriculars, sometimes there's that online component too. And I agree with you that it is very useful and it's very helpful. And even my own children Mm -hmm. are much more involved in their schools with like Google Docs and Google Classroom. However, those are not the things that concern me as exactly. a parent. <laughs> it's all the other stuff that they're mm-hmm. watching and they're streaming on YouTube and all this like TikTok and Musical.ly. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not sure if I should really view it as 
time wasted or if it's valuable to them and how do we talk to them about it? Yeah, well, and I think that's a fair point because a lot of parents are like, I think they're on Google Classroom where they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then you look over and they're not, right? So it makes it really difficult for parents to navigate what are you actually doing on there. Um, but I think in terms of like just looking at screen time in general, what we always tell families is it also depends on how old the kids are. So how old are your kids? So I have a 13-year-old okay. and I have a 10-year-old. Okay, so they're also, I mean, they're kind of that preteen age, but mm -hmm. the first thing we always look at is we talk about if your kids are under five, realistically, they shouldn't really be on screens. And if they are, it should be a limited amount of time that they're spending and it should be high quality programming. And you should be bringing that programming out into the actual like environment or your living room. So for example, we had a family that we were talking about this with, I think it was last week week and we're like watch those high quality programs but then if they're talking about colors bring it into okay where do we see these colors here or if it's a, a song that they like make it into like a movement thing where they're dancing or if it's numbers let's go outside and count things or um, if it's like an animal show like I know that baby shark show is huge <laughs> right now uh, for little kids but you know taking those their little like figurines and okay the show's over so now let's keep working with our imagination and create something outside of the screen right so for that age you definitely want to pull it out of the screen and limit it age six and up it's really hard because you do have to do that audit of how much of it is required for work or school or whatever it might be and then how much of it are we actually seeing so what I always suggest too is what does screen time mean so you had mentioned like tablets phones tv what's classified as screen time and I'm not sure if this happens with you and your kids but sometimes they're like oh I watch tv for an hour but I didn't game so I still want a game. And then you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden it's three hours later because they're just going through all of their different devices. And right. you're like, okay, I've completely lost control here. So I think definitely looking at what does screen time mean and what is going to be in that hour limit or two hour limit usually right. is helpful. And you said something extremely important. As a parent, you don't want to feel like you've lost control. Mm -hmm. You want to feel like you're giving them freedom mm -hmm. to make the correct choices, but you also don't want to lose control because if you've exactly. lost control, then they take over and they don't know how to self-regulate. Absolutely. So we do something, we call it calculated choice. So we'll be like, okay, you have an hour and you can choose if you want a game or if you want to go on YouTube or watch TV, that's your choice. But when the hour is done, the hour is done. Like there's no negotiation. So that typically helps. Something else that, again, going back to that control piece, because that's huge, we talk about designating um, like a no electronic zone and a no electronic time. So I like coupling those together because I think it makes it so much easier. So if meals are a time where you're like, we're not doing screens, then make the kitchen also an area where there's no screens. Oh. So that works really well because they'll walk in to get a snack and it's like, leave your phone there, sit and have your snack and then leave. Same with bedtime. So bedtime, it's no electronics. So your bedroom also, there's no electronics. It makes it so much easier just to like streamline and regulate. And that's probably easier if they're six to 12. Mm -hmm. What about if they're older than that? That, yeah, that honestly is always the most difficult age. I even find I'll have sessions where the whole hour is me trying to explain to <laughs> teens that, you know, there needs to be some kind of regulation. Um, that becomes a little bit more difficult. So what I always suggest for parents, if they're working with, or I'm sorry, if they have kids that are 13 and over, it's getting them to show you, okay, what apps 
do you want to be on? And then download them yourself so that you have an idea of what they are. I even do that. When I hear new apps, I'm like, what is it that they're spending Mm -hmm. time on? That way you'll have a sense of what that app is. And then create your own profile and make sure that one of the requirements is that you're friends with them. So that way you can go and you can check what they're posting, what they're commenting. Um, Parent controls is a big one. And I know teens hate this, but uh, especially if you have an iPhone, you can literally go to the Apple store and they'll show you how to navigate through that parent control piece. I've done that. Family sharing. Yes. Some, yeah. And it really helps because I'm always in the know. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, they're not doing anything that I'm not aware of. Exactly. And they know that I know. Mm-hmm. And that's a key, isn't it? 100 percent. You can't be surprised. Well, and that's the thing. And sometimes parents are really like, I had no idea this is what they were doing. But also be honest, too. You don't want to spy on them, but be mm-hmm. like, listen, I can see what you're doing at any time. Right. So mm-hmm. make sure that you're making good choices. And sometimes kids do search or explore things that you're like, what are they doing? And it kind of creates this feeling of fear. But the way we approach it was to like talk to them, like ask them why they're exploring that or why they're searching that and give them that space to talk to you about it versus be scared about actually doing it or you finding out about it. And what about in terms of social media? When do you think that they should have access to social media, whether it is Snapchat Mm -hmm. or Instagram or something else? Well, I think a lot of those platforms have age limits on them too. So I always kind of go by that. But also, I mean, it really depends because we've had kids where all their friends have TikTok and they don't. And then sometimes it also makes them kind of excluded from the group because they don't have an app and parents are like, well, I want to keep them safe. So that's why I'm always like, download it, explore it for yourself, see how you feel about it. The kid's maturity level is different too. There's some 13-year-olds that probably shouldn't be on social media, right? right? So I feel like that's always a case by case. So I would always download it, play with it, explore it, check in. And sometimes you have to go back and audit and decide, okay, you know what? We're actually not doing this. We're getting rid of this app. And I, that, that's really interesting to say that because I do that with my children. Mm-hmm. So I want them to feel independent, like they've made a choice, uh, but they know that we need to, we meaning myself and their dad, mm-hmm. have to know what they're posting. We have to approve of it prior to... Um, and in this way, I feel like they've made decisions, mm-hmm. they've asked, we're all involved in the decision. And I feel like that gives them a little bit of a sense of independence, Absolutely. but I still have control. Exactly. And that literally goes back to that calculated choice where you can pick which one you post, right? Um, even if I'm giving you like a couple of different ones to pick from, but you do want them to feel like they're making good choices. And it's also a learning experience for them where they're testing it out. They're seeing how they feel about it. Um, Something that we always do too is going back to that audit option is going back and seeing how do you feel when you're scrolling through these accounts? Is it making you feel like your self-esteem is dropping? Are you getting angry when you're playing these gaming? So this is a conversation with your child. Absolutely. We've actually had kids and it's interesting. They're young. Like they're actually, uh, you're your kid's age one of them's 11 but we kept doing that audit and then he realized I think he was playing like Call of Duty or one of those games but he was like every time I play I get stressed and I get angry and eventually he's like you know what I think I just don't want to play this game anymore and he ended up just kind of dropping it. he made that decision by himself. Yeah because we kept bringing attention to how is it making you feel well this is a constant trend and a pattern right but I find especially with girls another big thing is they have no idea 
what's real and what's not real online, especially the older they get. So that's scary. I know. With the apps, like I don't know if you guys have heard of some of these, but I've downloaded them and you can literally tweak your whole face, your whole body. Very scary. And it is terrifying because it looks so real and so good Mm -hmm. that it it messes with my self-esteem and I'm an adult. So I can only imagine what it does for some of these Mm -hmm. younger kids. So that's always something that's going on. So what do you do as a parent? Because, you know, they're going to want to experiment. They're going to want to try it out because all their friends are doing it. Yeah. So what do you do? I've actually done this with, because we do girl groups in our office as well. Well, we'll let them like download the app, play with it. Now compare your original photo to the photo that you just created. How does that make you feel? And that side, like side by side, there's not one person that's like, oh yeah, I feel good about this, right? Or if they do, it's very temporary because then we have that conversation. Well, now you're going to see people mm-hmm. and you don't actually look like that, right? So now it adds this pressure to how am I going to keep this image up mm-hmm. when I'm out in the public eye, right? So it creates just a spiral. So we like to explore it. Um, another thing, and I'm curious about this because your kids are in this age range, but um, a lot of kids will find information online and they take it for face value. And they're like, well, I read this online. It has to be true. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that yeah. with your kids? Yeah. I see that. And because then they'll test me. Well, mm-hmm. I that's not what it said online. Exactly. And they're really smart. They can mm-hmm. get on Google. They mm-hmm. can get on any, you know, any any site and get information mm-hmm. that's not always valid. Yeah. So they will test. And I and because uh, we like this kind of camaraderie, like mm-hmm. you can question things. But I say to them, whatever you read online is not always fact. Yeah. So we have to learn to distinguish between fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. And essentially what mommy says rules yeah <laughs> Absolutely. i know it's the final ruling yeah, for right. sure yeah. and that could apply to anyone it's not just about children Absolutely. right, right. Yeah. because i think many of us as adults we see something online and it takes a little bit of digging mm-hmm. and investigating mm-hmm. and research to yeah. find out the truth Absolutely. And uh, and we have to, I guess, yep. encourage our, our children to do that mm-hmm. right from the get-go these days. Absolutely. Yep. I always opinions. think about like Dr. Google, you know, yep. like when you're not feeling well and you're even as adults, we're like, we're dead. <laughs> yep. And it's like, that's not actually true. So like we've had kids where they hear their parents are getting divorced and they start searching divorce. And there's a YouTuber that obviously has this exaggerated commentary mm-hmm. on divorce. And then they come in and what they're thinking and what they're expecting is so just misconstrued. Right. And then we have to go back and undo it. So I think that's another piece too, is helping them learn that there's credible sources, mm-hmm. that people's opinions might be true for them. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to be true right. for you. Right? right. Yep. Yeah. And so in in light of all this, I mean, we know that there are so many things that can come of sometimes negative effects that can come from mm-hmm. being on devices and having access to information. But there is a small component mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk about yeah. that is actually very positive, Absolutely. right? Like we need to be part of this millennium. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to only focus on the negative mm-hmm. of it, but let's focus a little bit on, you know, how can we use these things as a tool to bring your family together? Because mm-hmm. we do have to evolve a little bit. I mean, we want to play outside. We want to do stuff. But as a family, this is the way of the future. So how can we use these tools to keep your family together? Well, and I think you're absolutely right with that. Because, I mean, I even see it in my day to day. It helps with connection. It helps with being productive. There's so many things that are online that are actually beneficial. It creates senses of community, right? So interests, if they're interested in certain things, maybe in their school, there's not people that are interested, but there is online or on a forum. So you definitely want to encourage that. And I mean, everyone's going online, every business 
business has an Instagram page. Like that's just where things are going. So I think we can't kind of close our eyes to that, but it's balance. Everything is balance where, yes, I want you to be online, but it also doesn't substitute for face-to-face interactions, real friendships, because that's another thing, having friends, but they're actually only online friends, Um, and physical activity, make sure that it's not interrupting your sleeping habits, your health, right? So you just want to find that balance. You don't want to pull that away from them, but you want to make sure that they're making time for the other positive parts of life. And you're absolutely right. Finding that balance is Mm -hmm. key because, yes, this is a digital world and we need to create digital citizens Mm -hmm. who are responsible, but you also have to find that balance. So it's very true. Mm -hmm. If you could leave us with one last piece of advice, what would it be? I think accept the fact that we are moving into a digital Mm. world and get familiar with it and have these conversations with your kids and just try and find that healthy balance in between being online and being in the real world. Thank you so much, Tanya, for being here. You were awesome and you gave us some really great tips. If your listeners and our listeners want to contact you, where can they find you? They can find us at behaviormatters.ca or they can send us an email at info at behaviormatters.ca. And Dr. Claudia, just before we wrap up the show, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? You can find me at www.thecenterforhealth, or you can just DM me at my Instagram handle at Claudia underscore Machiella. That's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the wellness prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Tina Cortez. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region.